0: This week on the Iowa Watch Connection... A couple of
1: years here as the people jockey for position in anticipation of the 2018
0: election. It's a major change in Iowa politics.
2: He has worked hard to make Iowa a better state economically for all its citizens.
0: The longest-serving governor in American history is leaving office.
3: There have been Democrats, especially, who felt betrayed by certain things he has done. He has
0: had a, a combative relationship with the unions over time. The legacy of Governor Branstead, our topic this week.
4: The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. Online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein.
0: We had planned to bring you a program this week focusing on how Democrats would handle being the minority party in both the Iowa House and Senate. But with one move this past week, that landscape, and much of the overall political landscape in Iowa, changed. We'll talk with legislative Democrats next week, but there is no denying that the big story of this week in Iowa came Wednesday— when President-elect Donald Trump named Iowa Governor Terry Branstad to be the next U.S. ambassador to China. The pick may have surprised some, but not Iowans. Branstad has had a long-standing relationship with President Xi of China, dating back to when Branstad was a first-term governor and Xi was a lower-level government ag minister who visited Iowa. In the 30 years since that first meeting, the two have established a personal and professional relationship, Chinese markets were opened up for Iowa products, and given some of the Trump campaign statements about China, the ambassador job takes on great importance. It was just one year ago this week that history was made when Branstead became the longest-serving governor in American history. That streak will come to an end sometime next month, and a different piece of history will take place. Iowa will have its first-ever female governor when current Lieutenant Governor Kim Reynolds Becomes Governor Reynolds. James Lynch covers politics for the Gazette in Cedar Rapids.
1: Republicans still have the majority in the House and Senate, so anything they want, they should be able to get. Whether she will have a different uh, legislative agenda than Governor Bransted remains to be seen. Uh, Certainly, you know, she hasn't indicated that, but, you know, lieutenant governors usually follow the boss's lead. Now she'll be the boss and she'll get to determine what you know policies she wants to pursue how hard she wants to pursue them and also it will change the dynamic in terms of the relationship between uh... the governor's office and and legislators um, you know she's a different personality she'll have her own style uh... in in dealing with those people
2: governor branstad has been in office uh... in sort of two separate periods very different economic times but his focus in both of those instances was on economic development and job growth and i think that is his legacy he has worked hard to make Iowa a better state economically for all its citizens and uh, I think that that's one of the uh, a focus that he hopes to bring to his work as ambassador to China.
0: That's Mike Ralston, president of the Iowa Association of Business and Industry.
2: The General Assembly is led by two uh, relatively rookie leaders except that I would say Speaker Upmeyer is a strong leader and had one of the very best sessions of any incoming speaker I've ever seen and I've been around sadly for a long time. But what I would say is that um, uh, when Lieutenant Governor Reynolds becomes governor, she uh, will benefit from her close proximity to the job. She has strong relationships with legislators of both parties. She was was a a strong campaigner for the majorities that ended up uh, uh, being uh, voted into office. So uh, uh, members of the legislature, I would believe, would want to work with her. There'll be some consistency in policy that will there will be a difference in style, and it will be interesting to see how it all works out.
0: But not everyone sees the Branstead legacy in such positive terms. Adam Mason is with Iowa citizens for community
5: improvement. Here at Iowa CCI, our members see Governor Branstead's legacy as as one of um, you know factory farms. Uh, he opened the door to the factory farm industry in nineteen ninety five and and since then, you know we've seen the decimation of the family farmer here in Iowa. Um, as well as the explosion of over 9,000 factory farms in Iowa. Along with that, of course, is our state's water crisis. And and we really think that's one of Bransted's biggest legacies.
0: Bransted has had some rather public feuds with state workers and education advocates. I asked the leader of the state workers union, Danny Holman, to comment for this program. He did not respond to my request. I asked officials of the Iowa State Education Association for their take on Branstead's legacy and their hopes for action in the 2017 legislative session on issues they feel are important. They declined to provide a spokesperson to comment. One could interpret those responses or non-responses as interested parties who might be looking for a reset of relations with a new governor, or at least parties who would prefer to subscribe to the principle that if you can't say something nice about someone... Better to remain silent.
3: There have been Democrats, especially, who felt betrayed by certain things he has done. He has had a, a combative relationship with the unions over time. He seems to have smoothed things out. For example, you know, one promise that he came through on was state infrastructure spending. He, he came through and increased that gas tax, if you remember. So there just have been certain things where he has bent and that has helped his relationship. Um, But I wouldn't say that it has been smooth all along.
0: Jennifer Jacobs covered Branstead as a reporter for the Des Moines Register and the Waterloo-Cedar Falls Courier. She now reports for Bloomberg Politics and will be one of their White House correspondents in the Trump administration.
3: One thing I think people will definitely remember Terry Branstead for is pulling women into higher office. Joy Corning was in the Iowa Senate until Bernstein asked her to join his ticket his first time around as, as governor. Kim Reynolds was in the Iowa Senate until he asked her to join him as li- lieutenant governor. And, of course, Iowa will get its first female governor when he leaves to take this, this job in China, which is, I think, very much calculated. He also championed Joni Ernst for the U.S. Senate when we had an opening in the state auditor's office. He appointed Mary Moseman. She became the first woman to work as an auditor. So pulling women into higher office and there are other examples of, of him championing women and encouraging women, um, Republican women, to get involved in government. He has elevated Iowa's place on the national stage as far as, you know, this this role with China and the things he has done with the Iowa caucuses. Uh, so, and of course, he travels all around the, the nation and around the world bragging about Iowa. So he gets our name
0: out there. How important is it for Iowans to have someone with Branstead's experience as the Chinese ambassador? Again, Mike Ralston.
2: The advantage for America in having Governor Branstead be ambassador to China is that he understands trade, he understands business, and it can't hurt Iowa to have its former governor in that uh, that position, certainly when it comes to... uh, trade deals involving agricultural commodities. Governor Branson has been a champion for that. He'll be in a place to be an even bigger champion. But as for Iowa manufacturers and others, they'll too benefit from that relationship, and that's a good thing for all of us.
0: China itself is an expanding source for Iowa products, as Steve Dust, president and CEO of the Greater Cedar Valley Alliance and Chamber, based in Waterloo and Cedar Falls, points out. The number
3: of people who are coming into the middle class of China is enormous. More people uh, going into the middle class than are in the United States. The scale of the, the uh, metropolitan areas uh, would be uh, surprising to people. To have a city of 8 million people referred to as a suburb of uh, Beijing uh, is out of our context.
0: So given all that, what suggests that Branstead will be successful in the role? Again, Jennifer Jacobs.
3: There are various newspapers in China who are are writing their their appreciation for Terry Branstad. Um, There was two Chinese newspapers that referred to him as an old friend of, of the Chinese people. That's a term of art. They don't use that term very lightly. It's the highest compliment that the Chinese people could pay Terry Branstad. And that means something. So this is Donald Trump signaling... But he wants to have someone who can negotiate with the Chinese, who can be, have friendly relationships, who can get the message across. So that is definitely something that Terry Branstad could do. He has the currency with the Chinese people to have them listen to his voice.
0: I'm joined now by Lyle Muller, the executive director and editor of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism. And Lyle, you and I have each covered Governor Branstad during both eras of his time in office. What are some of the qualities you think that have allowed him to become America's longest serving governor again over two different, very different eras of Iowa history? Well, there
1: certainly are a lot of people who would know Governor Branstad far better than me, but you're right. I have covered him. I remember covering when he was campaigning back in the 1980s, the very first time as this young guy who wanted to be governor. I think that His love of the state comes through very clearly, and he's able to portray that in ways that connect with people. Another thing that Governor Branstad has been able to do is connect with business people and political leaders who like what he's doing and have been supportive of him. I think back uh, in the 80s and 90s when people like Marvin Pomerantz, a well-known business person and Republican, in Des Moines was helpful and, and part of that uh, team that would advise Governor Branstad. And now Governor Branstad himself has that senior status, and he's the one advising politicians and, and business leaders about what his vision for Iowa is. I think, though, that quality of being able to come off as really caring about Iowa and people recognizing that.
0: There have been various controversies over time, famously with the State Workers Union, famously with education advocates, yet he has weathered all of those and still has high approval ratings. As we think back at some of those more public incidents, if you will, is it the skill of an experienced politician that has led him through those to the position he's in now? You know, I'm not sure, and I think
1: that kind of bedevils a lot of people. I haven't seen a lot of analysis of how it is that he escapes from some of these uh, tricky things, the the speeding troopers taking him around the state, the secret deals with state employees who left their jobs. You know, all of that got revealed. And I think one of the things Governor Branstad has done is he's addressed it and moved on, and he's been consistent with the way he's addressed it. I also think another thing that might be working in his favor is if you look at the last election in Iowa, there is a conservative Republican groundswell right now that's working in his favor. And so their guy is in the statehouse, so they're going to support him. But it hasn't always been that way. I mean, it's an independent state that goes Democrat in some years and Republican in others. I think that's a good analysis that, that could still be done is what
0: was that actual quality that
1: helped him escape some of those controversies?
0: You go back to 1994. He faced the challenge within his own party from Fred Grandy to a large degree— in my view, he was able to win that by saying to some of the party regulars who had become dissatisfied with him, look, I just want one more term. And he sat out then, and 12 years later, he was the one recruited in large part to come back.
1: Well, and he was recruited to come back because uh, of dissatisfaction with some of the people who were running for governor. And there was a little bit of uh, recoiling in the Republican Party where I think Bob Vander Plaats was running. And And Bob Vanderplatz is out there, is very conservative on social issues, and there was some concern about that. You know, I think back to the Fred Grandy race, Governor Branson was pretty tough in that. And after that primary was over, he had to go out and talk to Republicans who supported Fred Grandy and basically say, all right, what can we do to work together again? What do you want from me? And so that was real deft. If you think about it, he immediately tried healing that party because that was a tough primary. And it was bitter, very bitter within the Republican Party at that time. He's just been able to do things like that. But, yeah, um, he just popped it back in six years ago. That was interesting. I never thought he would do that. He was the president at Des Moines University. And by all accounts, things were working well there. And he was enjoying life there. But, yeah, something drew him back to want to be governor again.
0: I have said in other contexts that many people with political aspirations have seen them go to the side of the road by underestimating Terry Branstad. And as I think back at some of the best-known names in Democrat circles in the 80s and 90s, Avinson, Junkins, Conlin, Campbell, all thought that they could be the one. And each time he found a way to win, is that part of the mystique, if you will, that people just tend to underestimate him, and they do so at their own peril.
1: Well, they certainly do underestimate him, although they haven't been lately. Not lately. They didn't do, the, do that in the last election. You know, the Roxanne Conlin race, Roxanne Conlin was leading in public opinion polls back in that time, uh, 1982, but then it came out that she didn't pay taxes, and then that was it. That was the narrative, and and, and so people started paying attention a little bit more to what this sort of young lieutenant governor uh, with the mustache was saying. And, and not groomed as an heir
0: apparent to Bob Ray per really. se.
1: Not really. Uh, Bob Ray did not go out of his way to help Terry Branstad. Terry Branstad, though, will tell you that he went out of his way to learn everything he could from Bob Ray. And his approach, and this was something he talked to Iowa Watch reporters about this past summer, his approach was to make sure that he was prepared to be governor if he had to be. And he, he said that that's something that Bob Ray did tell him, that you know be prepared for whenever it might happen. Don't know when it will happen, but just be prepared. And that's the advice, by the way, that Terry Branstad says he's given Kim Reynolds as well because that's his answer all of the time when we were asking him, are you going to resign in the middle of this term or when are you going to run again? He always would say he wanted Kim Reynolds to know, that everything she could by observing how the office
0: ran so that she could be prepared. Governor Bransted's love for the state has been mentioned. It's well known. Given all of that, why do you suppose, after saying he had no interest in moving to China, he accepted this position?
1: It's hard for me to suppose. I will tell you this, though. He really enjoys his relationship with the president of China, which dates back to the 1980s, and he enjoys the country. He also enjoys the fact that Iowa does a lot of trade with China. And given that he has all of that knowledge, if you figure it out, people who run for public office are by nature ambitious. Otherwise, why would you do that? To be in public office, you have to self-promote yourself. Well, that's ambition. And I will tell you that when you get to a certain point in your career, if a president-elect of the United States of America says, I would like you to be the ambassador to China, and you're an ambitious person who likes to solve problems and do things in the public realm, that's a pretty intoxicating offer and tough to say no to. I suspect the toughest thing that Terry Branstad had to do was to convince his wife that this was a good idea, and once that was taken care of, the rest was uh, an easy decision.
0: Lyle Muller, thanks for your insight. Coming up, part of a recent conversation I had with a future ambassador to China. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double-check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. Earlier this year, I interviewed Governor Terry Branstad about his record-setting time as Iowa's governor and got some insights about his views
5: on public service. And then I had some great teachers all the way through, but especially Laura Seewick, who was my eighth-grade teacher, and she was an unforgettable teacher because she had one blue eye and one brown eye. Her favorite color was purple. She wore a lot of purple dresses. But she had this great love of America, and she just really inspired her students. She taught the three R's of good government. We all know about the the first ten amendments, the Bill of Rights, so we know about rights. But she also taught about respect for other people and their rights and responsibility of being a good citizen, not just obeying the laws but actively participating. She'd send us to city council meetings, and we'd have to write reports on that. And when she retired— and she, she was never married, and she lived in Burt, Iowa. She used to see that every kid that turned 18 got registered to vote, and anybody that was away in the service got an absentee ballot. She was a patriot that loved her country. I remember she got a national recognition from the Valley Forge Foundation for her leadership as a teacher. And she, probably more than any other teacher, really inspired me to want to go into a career of public service. Do you think
0: that our public schools today instill that same sense of citizenship, or are there so many other things now because of societal
5: changes that schools have to do, there's just not time to do that plus everything else? Well, I think there's a few exceptional teachers out there that do that. I don't know that we do as good a job as we need to across the board. Um, We are embarking on a new program in Iowa we call Teacher Leadership and Compensation, which is designed to try to... uh, recognize and reward really uh, teacher leaders but boy they can have such an influence and I'd say any student that ever had her could probably to this date recite the three R's of good government because you couldn't get out of her class without knowing rights respect and responsibility were the three R's of good government so she made a big impression on a lot of people and uh, I'm very proud of the fact that I had her and other very dedicated teachers Iowa
0: Governor Terry Branstad named this past Wednesday as the Trump administration's pick to become U.S. ambassador to China. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again for a list of stations that carry the program and more. IowaWatch.org. Follow us on Twitter at IowaWatch and be sure to use the hashtag IAWatchConnection when commenting about the program. We're on Facebook too, Facebook.com slash IowaWatch. And you can let us know your thoughts about this program or suggest ideas for future programs by email. The address is radio at IowaWatch.org. The program is produced in the studios of KXEL Radio, Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Cedar Rapids. I'm Jeff Stein, thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week.
4: The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.